0: Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Yahweh, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. So feeling abandoned by God, feeling like he's totally forgot him, wrestling with his thoughts and having sorrow in his heart, sleeping in what felt like death, Being overcome by his adversaries, trusting in God's unfailing love, his heart rejoicing in God's salvation, singing to the Lord and remembering that he's good. All in one package. All those things at the same time. And we titled um, today's message, "Mm, now that's good. So what's good? <laughs> what's really good? This was the question that I found myself really honestly asking this summer when I was gone, probably about halfway through my summer, is I realized I don't think I understand what good really is <laughs> anymore. And I had this honest, deep question to God, Because I I really wanted to know what good was. So one illustration that hit me was uh, I grew up out in Lapeer, Michigan on seven acres out in the country. And um, lots of land. It was awesome. My mom and dad both grew up on farms. And after growing up on farms, they had this really crazy idea that like canning tomatoes was fun. And uh, like freezing corn and things of that nature. So what they did is they created three huge gardens Today they were big. In fact, they would take up more than all of our land that we have in Sugar House, right? Which I know isn't much, but but three huge gardens so that they could do this. Now you know what that makes us kids. What were we? Yeah, we were the slaves. Exactly. Thank you. So we were the slaves. So here's—is this good? Come on, think about this. It's school's out and it's summer vacation, and what do I get to do? Weed the garden. You got to, I mean, seriously, I don't get to go out and play. I don't get, that's not good. There's nothing good about that. And then I've shared this year before, but we also heated our whole house with wood. And so every fall, when we got to this time of the year, you know, I'd play football on Friday night and I'd wake up on Saturday morning to the sound of my dad with the chainsaw. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't come up and tell us that he needed help. He'd just be out there working and you're laying in bed, just feeling like a total slumbag. Because you got to get out there. There's nothing good about that at all. Okay. I'm mean, seriously, Now think about it as a kid, there's nothing good in that. So then I get my job and I'm in college and I get a job and I work at the city parks. And so, and I'm mowing lawns all day long. That's what I do. Just I'm out mowing lawns on these huge parks. And one day I'm out there working and my boss comes up and he sits in his little pickup in the parking lot and he's just watching me. And he watched me for a half hour. Now would that not wig you out? If your boss is sitting there, I'm, so I'm sitting on the tractor, I'm looking around wondering what I'm doing wrong, and I'm starting to get really scared, and all of a sudden, he shuts off the, van, the, the truck, and he gets out, and he was just a short little stocky guy, and he always walked just like this, really nice and slow, right? And he comes up to the thing, and to my mower, so I finally shut my mower down so I can listen to him, and he goes, he looks at me, and he says, hey, why don't you get off that thing and take a break once in a while? That was his answer to me. And I remember, they looked at me, and they said, this dude knows how to work, and I'm up there going, this is no big deal. This is just what you do. So was it good? See, so we look back when I was a kid and I just thought my parents were evil and they had all this negative thing and they wanted to rob me of my summer. But what they were really doing is when I grew up and matured and all of a sudden work mattered, work wasn't any of a big deal to me at all. And it was good. So I have this question, What's good? You know, like ice cream's good and liver is good, just in completely different ways, right? I mean, a day of complete rest, watching the lions go 4-0 and is really good. <laughs> you guys better watch out. I'm going to start speaking in my suit jersey here in a minute. <laughs> Exercising, though, too. Getting out and doing stuff is good. Vacation's good and working's good. Being served is good and serving is good. Sunny days are good and rainy days are good. So what's good? And I really, this is one of the things this summer that I couldn't wait to come back and share with you because I feel like God started to wake me up to what's actually good. So how many of you guys swing? Like when you were kids, you loved to swing. Okay, all right, lots of you. Okay, so... Um, How many of you had uh, one of these? You have one of these? Okay, (laughs) pretty cool. So, it needs to keep coming. I'm not that tall. All right, there we go. So, this uh, last week, I shared with you the illustration of the boat that totally has changed my life. This whole idea of who's in your boat. Who is it that you receive your life from? Are you tapping it into your spouse, or the job, or your talents, or success, or do you really get your life source from God? Well, this was the second illustration that um, that I I couldn't wait to share with you guys when I got back, that's just kind of really helped me to figure out what this whole issue is of goodness, and so this tire swing represents life. This is life, okay, and on this side, this this is good. This is when life is good, and then over here, sometimes life swings over here, and it's not so good, right, and so... So we, we hop on this thing. We, how many of you asked to be born? None of us. And so you just, you got thrown into this thing called life. And all of a sudden you realize, man, sometimes life is really good. Like you got a job you love and then you lose your job, right? So bear with me here as we keep going. Sometimes your money's great and sometimes the economy crashes. This is good. This isn't good. Sometimes your relationships are great and sometimes they're not. Sometimes you're married, and that's good, single, bad. Single, good, married, bad. (laughs) It's just, we just keep going back and forth. And we totally, yeah. So it's just insane because what happens is we define goodness by whether I'm happy or this is not good because I'm not happy. And so what we try to do with life is we try to take this part of life and set it up here. And if we could, we'd nail this puppy to the tree, right? (laughs) Can we just stay here? Because this is good. When I feel happy and when I have fulfillment, it's good. I have a good job. I've got lots of money. I'll do anything to keep my relationships okay. So some of you, you totally sweep all the conflict under the rug, right? Because that feels better. Others of us, as we talked about last week, we manipulate everything and everybody to make our relationships work in the way that makes us feel good. Sexual fulfillment, we'll just do whatever feels good. All that kind of stuff, right? Okay, now, it's getting heavy. Cause, but it is heavy. Because what does this tire want to do right now? Yeah. And you know what? How many of you have come to realize that life is a little bit bigger than you are? And you do everything you can to be happy and life goes, bam! Ah! Bam! And sometimes when it gets over here, it just stays there for a while too. So what happened to me this summer is I finally realized that we define good by what makes us happy. Now, here's the problem. If what is good is what makes me happy, then what's true about the end goal of that? (coughs) See, the problem with that is the end goal is me, it actually ends up being all about me. What happens is you become completely centered on your own fulfillment. And you live for that. The end goal is all about you. And so then I started thinking about this and I'm like, okay. And this is where I started asking God because I feel like what God was revealing to me this summer and this is why I was chasing after hot dog buns is Nelson, you're trying to nail the tire up there and have everything feel good. So then I start asking this question, well, then what, how does God define good? What's good to God? And here's what I think he's been trying to tell me. And I, maybe he'll tell you the same thing to God. What's good is when you and I live the life that we were created to live. When you are being everything that you were created to be, God goes, that's good. (laughs) And what were we created for? You know what's good to God? What's good to God is when we live in a relationship with him, when we're at one with God. See, God goes, now that's really good. Because if you get connected to me, if my spirit gets inside your very heart and I reside in there and you and I become one, then what I desire, you start to desire. And when I move, you move with me. And when I want to do good, you go with me. And God says, you know what? That's good when you're in an intimate relationship with me because that's what you were created for. And so you know what's good, you guys? What's good is Anything that draws us one step closer to God. Yeah. Anything that draws us one step closer to God is good. Now I'm gonna pack, unpack a few scriptures for you here and let me just share with you um, kind of, uh, well, let's unpack that a little bit more about what's good to God. Here's what God defines as good. He says we're, it's when we're living a life that we are created to live. And one of the, okay, you're in my way. Um, But one of the things that God says is good is character. When a person has character, God says that's good. Now, what's character? It's interesting because what we say is if somebody has good character, we say you have what? You have strong character. That person has really strong character. You know why we say that? Because what character means is you can't be easily moved, you don't sway with your emotions. See, so life swings you back and forth. And when you don't have strong character, you can be shifted by your emotions. Your emotions or your thoughts can drive you off who you really want to be. But what character is, is when you finally have gone against it and you have developed a strength to say, I am going to be this person. And you know what's really good about that? Is when you have strong character, you're what? You're trustworthy. And if you're going to have good relationships, you need to be trustworthy. And so God looks at us and he says, listen, this is all so much about you being in line with me. And I love people who have character. And you know what? Sometimes, like for me, it's, it's, it's that ability to come up against something over and over again and keep pushing through it. It's like lifting weights, right? So like for me, does that work? Okay. Um, So like for me, if I worked out, which I don't, but if I did, if I just took a bar, that little 45-pound bar, and just kept going like this, what's that going to do for me? Nothing. But if you put weight on it, if you put resistance on it, and I push against the resistance, it makes me stronger. And so God says, you know what I love? Well, you know what's good? is character and anything that will build it. The second thing he says that's good, he goes, it's really good um, when you become mature and complete and when you lack nothing. What's so interesting about these three things I'm going to share with you, as a dad, these are all things I long for for my kids. As a parent, don't you want your kids to have character? Don't you want them to be strong and be able to go through this life and not be swayed to become a trustworthy person? Yes. Well, the other thing is I want my kids to mature and the sooner the better, right? But you have this dream. I want my kids when they go away to school, when they're 18 or 19 years old, they better not be living like they are now when they're six and eight. You have a longing for them to become mature. Now, what's interesting about this word, what the word means is when you're mature and complete, it means you are functioning perfectly in the way that you were designed. And so what God is saying is, I want you to grow up into being a person who is living the life that you were created to live. That makes God happy. And he says maturity and completeness Now that's good. Here's a third thing he says It's good. He says what's really good is when you share in my holiness. What God defines as good is when you share in his holiness. What's that mean? What he says is, is when you start to share the exact same qualities that I am in my essence, when you share in those, oh, it's good. So when you were here last week, And and Jesus looked at the woman at the well and he said, oh man, if you only knew the gift that God wanted to give you, you'd ask for it. And that gift was his Holy Spirit inside you, helping your character, helping your maturity, helping you to get to the point where you actually share in his holiness. So now what happened is God said, the Bible says that God revealed his holiness by his righteousness. So in other words, he revealed his holiness by showing us everything that was right. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, and by the way, everything that we said that was right, all that stuff that we revealed to you, It's all encompassed in this, love God and love each other, love God and love each other. Every rule, every law, every principle, everything we've ever shared with you is just to help you to get to the point where you love God and when you love each other. And if you do that, you share in his holiness. So here it is, you guys. So what's good to God? Is me feeling happy and having everything I want, is that good to God? Sometimes, yes, it is. But you know what's really good? That you'd have character, be mature and complete, and share in His holiness. Now, let me read these scriptures for you Romans 5 3 through 5. He says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. <laughs> See, this is when it gets weird. Whoa, oh, what? How, why, why do I rejoice in this? This hurts. This doesn't feel good. I'm not liking this, and I'm not happy. Well, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance does what? It gives us character. See, so God's up there saying, I know, it's like a good coach. I mean, how many of you hated your coaches? You know? But a really good coach, as Tom Landry said, is the one who makes you do what you don't want to do run those wind sprints, run until you puke, work hard, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because you'll become who you really want to be. See, I think our problem is half the time, we don't really know what we want to be. We think we just want to be happy. And we think we just want all these blessings. But what God is saying, no, I shared this last week, your heart does not desire blessings. It desires to love. And I'm to build character in you, that can love, that can be trustworthy, that can be in relationships that matter. And I'm committed to that. And sometimes we've got to help you suffer to get to that. Number two, James 1, chapters, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. He says, consider it pure joy. Here we go again. Pure joy? Whenever you face trials of many kinds? Are you kidding me? Why? Well, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And there it is again. Perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, here it is, mature, complete, not lacking anything. So again, we look at this and we go, God, why is this happening to me? For Julie, why in the world am I going through 12 years of completely being treated unfairly? And I just know now when people in really tough stuff, I, I, some text, somebody told me this uh, just recently, they said, God wants you to ask every question you can ask him when things are really hard, except why? But you know what? Isn't that the only question we want to ask? <laughs> why? But one of the things we, can, we, we know, he says, God, when trials come, he says, I am using these to develop perseverance in you, and it must finish its work so you can be who I created you to be. And then here's the passage that has just been critical for me for years now whenever I'm going through hardship and struggles and suffering. Hebrews 12 verses 5 through 11 says this Have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? See now, let me just stop there real quick as as we go into this Again, as a dad who longs for my kids to be everything that they're supposed to be We need to remember if you're a Christian here today you are someone who said I put my faith in you Jesus and the Bible says that when you put your faith in Christ that you literally are born again of his spirit and you become a child of God. He is your father. I know for some of you you think of father and it's a negative thing but God is a father who's good and right. Now listen to what he says. My child. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. You guys, this was so funny. I was working on this message yesterday and I was just living this out with my kids. I mean, I I thought this was funny. God, are you just making my kids behave bad so I can get the picture? You know, because literally it's like, at one point I had to take all Mariah, Ashlyn and Caleb and I had all three of them sitting on the bed and I'm saying, now don't make light of my discipline. (laughs) Right? Right? Because I love you. Seriously. I mean, I, this is exactly what I was doing. And don't give up when I correct you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one that he accepts as a child. See, I love my kids. If I don't, then I wouldn't care. But I love them. And they're my kids. And so I discipline him. So he goes on. He says, Are you, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Well, apparently in that culture, they didn't have that. But you guys know that happens today, right? When a kid is not getting disciplined by his parents, how's that kid look? It is scary as hell. And I'm telling you, it's scary as hell. He goes on, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, look, and here we go. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good. It's always good so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You guys, there's so much within us. Can we just be honest? That's not right living. That's what I feel like God was so making and revealed. And, and when you're not in right living, what God has revealed is right. It's just not good. We're not living the way we were designed to live. And this was what I knew about me. We're not loving. We just need to be honest. We're not loving. We don't put others above ourselves. We don't put our husband above ourselves. We don't put our wife above ourselves. We don't put our kids above ourselves. Anybody. Because I'm living for this. Whatever makes me happy. Now, if you make me happy, then I'll put you up there. We aren't generous with what we have. God pours all this stuff inside of us, and we use all of it for our own happiness. I mean, we, we live and spend for our personal fulfillment, When God is going, no, here's the deal. I gave you, and I want to supply all your needs. I'm a good dad. I love to supply all your needs. But I'm also giving you all this resource so that you can be a conduit and experience the joy of what it is to give yourself away. Because that's what you were created for. You're created to love, not to live for your personal happiness. So you guys, so there's so much within us that isn't right living. And when your body doesn't work... Like our hearts aren't working. But when when your body isn't working, what do you do? You go to the doctor, right? And I know some of us hate dentists even more than doctors, right? So you're sitting in there and the drill starts going into your tooth. And you're like, oh, I love this. This is great, right? I mean, is it great? Is it good? Yes, it is. I used the example a few weeks ago of when I was uh, with Caruso Lad's son when the when the soccer pole fell on his head right and put a gash in this long and this wide in his head. I mean, I could just look in and see his skull. It was awesome, and uh, so and so here's Caruso and the nurse is getting ready to put in the uh, what's it called. what is it? Some numbing thing right inside his head. And Crusoe is screaming bloody murder. Stop this. And I love it. The doctor's like, yeah, no big deal. Not even concerned at all about the screams. Why? Because he's going, dude, I know this hurts, but I'm putting this in because what I'm going to do is really going to hurt. So were those shots good? Yes. But what Crusoe's saying is stop it. Fix the fix is what he was saying. Fix the fix. And the doctor's going, dude, I'm trying to save your head. I'm trying to put it back together. And the pain, is it good? It's good. But see, we can't understand that because it hurts. Even though it's trying to fix what's wrong. Your marriage is falling apart. What do you do? You go to marriage counseling? That's fun, isn't it? That's really good. So what we do is most of us go, that hurts and I don't like it. I'm not going there. Man, I tell you, this summer doing the counseling I did, I knew, I knew my heart was just wrong. And I knew that my love quotient was nowhere near what it needed to be. And I remember I told Susie when we we drove out of here, And left, I looked at her and I said, "There's. I just know one thing. I cannot come back the same guy that I am right now. I can't. So I went two weeks and I didn't candy coat the counselor. I went two weeks in. Now, if you go to a counselor that you guys who have, you know, and you want to actually get healed and get better, what do they do? rip apart they just they go in and they make you deal with the greatest pain in your heart and i I tell you man there were days where i walk out of there and i drive home and just three or four times where tears are just streaming down my face because i have to experience the pain for it to get healed so what's really good that doesn't feel good does that mean it's not good no, it's good because I want to be the man that God created me to be. And so this summer, here's what happened. Like I knew all this. These passages I gave you, I've taught these before if you've been here. I've been through the hard times. So I says, what? so then, what's going on? And I feel like finally this summer, when I got real with the ugliness of my heart and I just said, you know what? I'm hesitating, I'm avoiding, I'm withholding. I'm not sacrificing for others. I'm doing what makes me feel good. I'm not generous with my time, with my resources. I'd rather spend them on me. And you guys, you know what happened? I just sat there. I just read my journal last night of this time. The hardest part for me, because I do love him. And I just had to look at God and say, I, just, I know this God, I look nothing like you right now. I don't look anything like Jesus. And I feel like that's when he finally said to me, and I, and I didn't know why. And I feel like it's when he finally made it really clear to me. and says, Dave, it's because you desire comfort, pleasure, happiness, and ease more than Love. And your heart doesn't desire the blessings. Your heart desires to love. So what I realize, you guys, is God uses this swing. It's called life. And sometimes God swings it over here, and it just rocks. You guys, pleasure and beauty and things that make you feel good, I think they're part of God. What an amazing world we live in, isn't it? I mean, even if your life stinks, You wake up and you see these mountains and you smell stuff and you eat good food. It's like there's this pleasure all around you. So God wants us to know that. And that's good. But pain, hardship, and suffering are actually also really good. And what we need to start realizing is that life is good, whether it feels good or not. And we're basing the goodness on our own emotions. And God needs to cut us down and say, you got to stop doing that. You guys, because really, there's two types of pain that are good. Okay, here's what happens with pain. Hardship can reveal the hurt. Hardship can reveal your heart, is what I really meant to say. Hardship reveals your heart. See, what happens is, when, all the, when everything's good, say, so, hey, it's easy, right? Hey, you're smiley, you're good, you're, I'm like that. And then all of a sudden, hardship and stress and trials come, and you know what happens? Who you really are. What's in your heart gets pressed out of you. Fear, anxiety, doubt, anger, frustration. See, so it's like when you, when you have a pain in your body, all of us go, ow, I don't like that. But is it good? Yes, because it's doing what? It's telling you there's a problem in there. <laughs> now, wouldn't it be horrible if you never felt any pain and all of a sudden you just, you know, I mean, you need pain. You need pain. It actually helps you to know there's something wrong with your heart. So one of the lessons I've learned is now, and I learned it again this week, is when things start going bad and my anxiety, my fear, my anger starts to rise up. I'm finally able to go, instead of trying to avoid the situation, I'm going, okay, it's showing me my heart. And that's a good thing. But hardship doesn't just reveal the heart. Hardship can change the heart. Hardship can change the heart. Now, you can get a hard heart, With God, you can have a distant heart from God or you can let the hardship do its, finish its work. Finish its work so that it can create you into the likeness of God, having his love and his freedom and his fruit in your life. So here we go. How do we do this? How do we do this? We have about four things, I think, here. Here's the first thing that has to happen. I talked with somebody, um, few months ago who just went through horrific, horrific stuff in their life. And they told me, they said, Dave, we've got to do a better job in church of equipping people to be able to handle the hard things in life. Because you all know we're not escaping these, right? So what do we do? Well, here's the first thing. We have to determine right now what is true about God and what is true about our relationship with him. You have to determine right now what's true about God and what's true about your relationship with him. See, because when life's good, then God's what? He's good. And when life's bad, what's God? He's confusing. (laughs) And he doesn't, I meant, and this is where I was last year. I literally thought I was losing God's favor. And I literally thought he was not for me anymore. That I haven't lived up to my end of the bargain and he was done with me. Is that true? No, and yet I was believing it because life was hard. You guys see what I'm going here? So what you have to do is you have to determine right now what is true about God because your heart is going to go good and bad and good and bad and life's going to go good and bad and God is going, I'm right here and I never change. The second thing you got to determine is what's true about your relationship with him. See, Mariah, Ashley, and Caleb, they're my kids and they can't be anything else when they're really bad. They're my kids. And when they're really good, they're my kids. And when I'm having fun and playing video games with them, I'm their dad. And when I'm disciplining them and not letting them have candy, God forbid, I'm their dad. (laughs) Nothing's gonna change that. So here's the deal the swing goes back and forth and back and forth. Follow this chain all the way to the top. Is that going back and forth? Let's see. No. So you guys, there is a deeper reality. There is a deeper reality than the circumstances of this life. And the deeper reality is there is a God who is love and can do nothing but love you in the good and in the bad. And if you've received Jesus Christ, he says you have the spirit of God in you. You are born again of God and you're his child and he is your dad. And that can never change. And you need to determine right now today what's true about God and what's true about your relationship with him. And then when life swings back and forth, you have an anchor right there that never moves. And that's critical. The second thing is you need to determine, this is huge, after you determine who God is and what your relationship with with him is, you need to determine what you're going to live for. What do you live for? And I think most of us just need to be honest. I live to be happy. I live to feel good. And I live to be at ease and be comfortable. And I'm telling you, if you live for that, if you chase after hot dog buns, then when this thing swings over here, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But if you live to love... If you live to love, then when life is good or when it's bad, you can love. You can love God and you can love others. And you need to determine right now, what are you living for? You were created to be in a oneness relationship with God who always lives to give his life to another. Do you want to live for that? If you do, you can submit to the good and the bad. If you live to be happy, you're in trouble. So determine what you live for. And then just real quick, confess. When you start swinging into hot dog bun chasing, confess it to God. Just, I, I have to do this all the time because my heart likes to feel good. <laughs> So when it starts wanting that more than love, I just need to confess that to him. And then be honest with him. Like the Psalms, when the tire swings over here, David was honest. Where are you? How long? How far away? He was angry. He was hurt. And he got it all out. So be as honest as you can be with God. But then what did David do? He remembered who God was. And the verse in Hebrew says, so submit to the Father of your spirit and live. God, do with me whatever you want to do. And if you do that, you'll live. So hold on. Persevere. Endure the good and the bad. And he will create within you what you were created for.